0: Welcome to the Grow Podcast. I'm Christy McSweeney, and if you run a business or are thinking of taking the leap, this podcast is for you. I'll be interviewing special guests who run small businesses to large corporations. Each episode will include practical tips and advice to help your business thrive in this changing environment, relayed to you by people who have done it are doing it, and some who have even done it multiple times. Proudly presented to you by Census, Australia's number one supporter of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome to the Grow Podcast. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Bridget Bainbridge about privacy. Bridget is an expert in information privacy law, policy, and practice. Bridget has over 20 years experience in privacy and founded Bainbridge Associates, a data protection advisory business in 2010. Bridget provides advice on all things privacy to businesses and a range of governments across Australia. Bridget, thank you so much for your time today. It seems that privacy and concerns about data breaches are becoming more and more of a priority for businesses of all sizes. They can hold a significant amount of personal and sensitive information about Australians and there's always potential for a privacy breach. Before starting, we should probably talk about what privacy actually means.
1: So today we're really talking about information privacy, which is a subset of the word privacy. And it's all about the collection and handling of personal information. One of the reasons why people can get confused about this is that the main piece of legislation in Australia is called a Privacy Act Act. But when you actually look at what that act covers, it's personal information.
0: Richard, what counts as personal information?
1: The definition talks about it in terms of information about an individual. And we're only talking about living human beings now. There is no privacy for corporations. So there's your ordinary contact information. So things like your name, your address, your photograph, things that automatically identify, for example, me as me. But the definition is broad in the sense that it also includes information that can be combined with other information to reveal you as an individual. The identifiable information can be things like verification information collected about you, your mother's maiden name, for example. Increasingly, we're understanding how location data with our phone, with our devices, all of that, when it's combined with my personal information, will show where you are at any point of the day. Then when, of course, you go online, you're, you're scattering those little digital breadcrumbs all over the place and those breadcrumbs are being hoovered up and used by in particular big social media companies to form very, very detailed profiles. I mean, it's been argued that they know more about us than the government does. So they're the sorts of uh, things we're talking about today, specifically personal information.
0: Are all businesses covered by the Privacy Act, Bridget?
1: No, they're not and in particular, the Privacy Act doesn't apply to small business and a small business is defined as one that earns less than $3 million a year. However, if you're a small business and you collect and handle health information, you will be brought back into the coverage of the Privacy Act. If you trade in personal information, so for example, you sell mailing lists, you will be back under the coverage of the Privacy Act. One of the areas where it might be surprising to people that you can be roped back into the Privacy Act is when you work for government. And we're not just talking about the Privacy Act here, we're talking about a range of other laws that apply at state level. So we're talking about a relationship between the private sector and Australian government state and territory governments. The way it works is if you take on a contract for either the Australian government or a state or territory government, you will find that there is what's called a privacy clause in that contract that makes sure that you are subject to the same privacy regime as the government department or agency. If you sign a contract and that contract shifts uh, a particular regime's privacy principles to you, you really do need to know a little bit about what they are. So in Victoria, they're called information privacy principles. They might have a different name somewhere else. We will talk about the fact that privacy legislation is principled based. And what you'll find in your contract is it is those principles that you're required to comply with. Now, if something goes wrong... And it is your fault, then you will be held responsible and you will be required to do all of the remediation activity. If the department was responsible for the the problem, then they will have to deal with it. The fact is, it is not risk free signing up to one of those contracts. So, having a general idea about privacy, knowing what it is to undertake good privacy practice, and in particular, to make sure that you hold. Personal information in a secure manner is very important.
0: Even if businesses have a turnover of less than three million, surely it must be in their interest from a good corporate governance perspective, as well as potential reputational damage, if they comply anyway with the Privacy Act and various regulations.
1: Absolutely, particularly startups. I think privacy and good privacy practice is important for any organization or any government agency, but there are some areas where the complexity of our modern online networked world will impact more upon a business. And it is those startups who have focused upon online activities that basically make their money by processing personal information that would benefit them the most from making sure that they... You know, have good policies and procedures in place, and like we're not talking about anything particularly difficult. The fact is that we live and work in a global environment, so having an Australian Act that's not in line with what's happening elsewhere in the world can also be a problem for a small business. If you look at any of the general guides to running a business online and being successful, there's considerable emphasis on the need to ensure that. The services you offer, the products you provide, the way in which you interact with your clients or customers is as good as it can possibly be. You need to make sure that you meet the expectations of the people as far as you know what you're going to do with their information and you need to hold it securely and make sure that it's protected against cybersecurity risks. Having good privacy practices means that you are going to inspire confidence and trust not having those things in place will mean that you are not looked at in quite the same way.
0: Now, a data breach happens when personal information is accessed or disclosed without authorisation or is lost. What should a business do if a data breach happens to occur to them and what are they required to do under the legislation, Bridget?
1: Yeah, I'll start with what I think is the most important thing, which is what should anyone do if you run a business and you have a data breach? The very first thing you need to do is to to try and remedy whatever it is that has gone wrong. So for example, if you have inadvertently published personal information online that's not meant to be there, you would take it down. You then need to consider if, when and how to tell the individual's whose information it is. And this can be a sort of a bit of a sliding scale. So the more information that is has been disclosed or breached, and in particular, whether or not any of that information is identity information, if it has passwords, if it has banking account details, that is obviously going to pose a distinct risk for the people whose information has been breached. And you need to tell them that this has occurred so that they can take steps to secure their information, to update passwords, to talk to the bank, to basically make sure that they take all the steps they can to secure their data. Small business is exempt from the Privacy Act. So there is no regulatory requirement for them to deal with data breaches in a particular way. If a business is covered by the Privacy Act, it is subject to specific provisions and it's called a notifiable data breach scheme. The way that the law works though with this is you only have to do what the notifiable data breach scheme says you need to do in the case for breach. If it's called, if it's a, a case of serious harm to the individual. And as you can imagine, I don't work as a lawyer, but I work a lot with legislation and I, I have a law degree. For many people, what they ask the question, what does serious harm mean? So I think it's a very difficult one. Even if you are a business who's covered by the Privacy Act, there's this question about this has happened to me, but do I need to do anything? And the things that at the moment you're required to do if it's a serious if it's a serious breach and it's going, it could cause serious harm is to tell the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, which is the regulator of privacy in Australia, and you also need to notify individuals. So, on the Commissioner's website, there's a lot of information for businesses who are covered, telling them what they should do when they need to report If a business fails to comply with a direction by the commissioner under that scheme, they can be fined up to $2.1 million. However, the government has actually already said that it's planning to increase the fines that can be levied. So we're expecting to see the penalty rise from $2.1 million to $10 million or 10% of a company's turnover for what are called serious or repeated breaches. If you're a small business, though, the likelihood of you falling uh, within the scope of the Notifiable Data Breach Scheme is fairly low, but there is a data protection principle that's good practice for anyone, which means that, you know, you've got to secure your information and to do that, you would make sure that all of your cybersecurity risks have been identified and you've got policies and procedures in place to deal with them.
0: Richard, what does count as a significant breach?
1: This is an interesting one. So I went and looked and tried to sort of also remember what the biggest breaches were, like what are are the things that I remember, which if any have have affected me. And I was reminded that Canva, one of Australia's few so-called unicorn online businesses, uh, they're a graphic design tool website. I use them in in my attempt to uh, set up my website. And I certainly use some of their tools to develop diagrams and images for reports that I write turned out that in 2019 they were hacked and the email addresses, username, passwords, partial banking information, et cetera, of 137 million users were stolen. In terms of reading what Canva did in response, they apparently did send notices to people informing them of the breach and advising them to change their passwords and a range of other things, but I didn't receive a notice. So one has to ask the question how effective this is as a means of responding to a breach. The terrible thing perhaps though is that the least memorable was the best. I can't actually remember the organization that suffered a breach involving my data and who sent me a letter that was just delightful. But I did save the letter because I thought it was such a a good example of how to make people feel better once there has been a data breach. So I'd have to say that my own experience of dealing, uh, you know, my information um, somehow being involved in a data breach has gone from, I don't remember receiving anything, to very good. So I think the the take-home message for businesses here is to make an effort if something like this happens to you, make an effort to personalise and to try and empathise with someone whose information has been lost.
0: The 13 Australian Privacy Principles set out standards, rights, and obligations in relation to the handling, holding, accessing, and correcting personal information. Meeting the Australian Privacy Principles, part of the Privacy Act 1998, will largely meet the compliance requirements, but What are the major ones and how can business meet them effectively through policies and procedures that they put in place?
1: Yeah, I think as a starting point, we need to remember that the Privacy Act is unlike a lot of other pieces of legislation in that it's principles-based. So a standard piece of legislation will say, you must do this. If you fail to do this, you will go to jail. It's very straightforward. You get it wrong, you're punished. The way that principles-based legislation works is you're given as a sort of a set of guidelines, a framework within which to figure out how your business or if you're a government agency, how the agency should manage personal information and words like responsible handling, taking reasonable steps are all part of it. There's no one size fits all and there's no answer in advance. You always have to look at what it is you do and then think about what the implications are for your business. For some people, that's why privacy seems hard to them. They say they would prefer to just be told what to do. But I think if you distill the privacy principles, I think I got it down to about six things. The first and fundamental one is to ask, what if any personal information does your business need to collect? If you don't need to collect it, don't collect it. Never collect personal information because you think it might be useful one day. The Privacy Act is not going to stop you collecting personal information that you need for your business activities. In fact, for most types of personal information, it authorizes you to collect the information. But what you have to do is to make sure that you handle it responsibly, having been given the authorization to do so. If you minimize the collection of personal information, you will reduce your compliance burden and you will also reduce any risk around a data breach. So if you have a data breach, the less information you have, the less of a problem that you have to to deal with it. The second thing is always try and tell people if you're collecting their information. I mean, it seems obvious, but it's not always done. The rule around this one, and here we're talking about collection, use and disclosure of people's information is no surprises. If you tell people what your information handling practices are, they're not going to be surprised if you subsequently disclose information to a third party. Or I think a good example here is um, if you go to a medical clinic where there are multiple doctors. Tell new patients that if the practice has the policy of allowing all of those doctors to look at your health information, because for some people, they actually only want to go and see one doctor. That's not a difficult thing to do, but it's like if you tell them up front, hey, anyone in this clinic who has a, a right or a reason to know who's going to be giving you health care will see your record, it's a chance for someone to say, oh, I don't feel comfortable about that. The way that that could be done in terms of telling people is uh, through a privacy policy or a, a collection notice. It's so important to make sure that if you do write a privacy policy and publish it somewhere, that your statements are accurate and not misleading. Because we have seen some examples recently in Australia where a privacy policy was inaccurate and the small company was fined, when I say small, it, it actually deals in health information, so it's covered by the Privacy Act, and was fined $2 million, which would have been a significant amount for a fairly small Australian startup. Next thing is, if you are going to collect that sensitive information, things like health information, or you want to use personal information for another unrelated purpose, get people's consent really, really easy. You don't need to get consent for personal information that you need to run your business, but you do need to get consent if you're collecting health, sensitive information, or coming up with a new purpose to use it for. Next one I would say is let people opt out of direct marketing, make it easy for them. I have to say this is probably my biggest bugbear and I guess the thing that I'm most ashamed about as a privacy practitioner, the amount of emails I get that I have not been able to stop people continuing to have me on their mailing list is extremely frustrating. So please let people opt out of direct marketing. There are plenty of people who want to receive this stuff. Make sure you focus on them We've already talked about the need to keep personal information secure and then one that I think gets forgotten sometimes, but if someone does complain about privacy, try really quickly to resolve that complaint in-house, make that customer a happy customer because if they're not happy with the way you deal with them, they can go and make a complaint to the commissioner and there will be a process to investigate what has happened
0: I'm sure businesses in startup mode will be very pleased with the six tips, Bridget, which to the next question, there are so many small businesses in startup mode or just getting off the ground who are growing really quickly and finding they are accumulating personal and sensitive information and they haven't yet put systems in place. For those businesses, where should they start?
1: First thing I would say is it's not too late. In fact, it's never too late. I do provide quite a lot of privacy advice to startups. It's pretty obvious that most people who have a a new business, a startup business, don't have a lot of money. So it's important if you do need advice to sort of look online first, go to the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner's website. They've got advice specifically for startups. I think that it would be unusual if a startup wasn't aware of the significant discussion around privacy and data protection that's going on at the moment, because this uh, all impacts directly on their livelihood and their business activities. I think one of the things that's changed the way in which we're looking at privacy is the European Union's privacy law, which is basically a consistent law applying across the whole of the European Union. It's called the General Data Protection Regulation a little bit, it sounds a little bit strange to Australians because usually regulations for us are subordinate legislation, they're not as important. But in the EU, regulation means law. So this is like a very significant piece of legislation that applies to multiple countries. Another number of other countries, such as Singapore, New Zealand, Canada, like very recently, have all updated their privacy acts to try and align themselves with the EU's general data protection regulation. If you followed these things, you'd also know that there's been a lot of publicity around a Californian. Privacy Act, which is probably the most advanced Privacy Act in terms of the protections it offers. So this is impacting upon Australia. We haven't made that move to update yet, but as I said earlier, there is a review underway at the moment and I think you'd find that most people are looking or hoping that that review will result in a more streamlined Privacy Act that doesn't have all of these exemptions and doesn't have so many parts, but also that it is it is more in line with the EU so that startups. Operating in Australia can basically offer their products and services in Europe with the confidence that the practices here are the same as are required over there. At the moment, we have this quite anomalous situation where. If you're a startup and you're providing services to any country, let's just say you're providing services in the EU, you have to provide a higher standard of protection for European citizens than you do for Australian citizens. And to me, that seems pretty bizarre. Now, if you're a startup who thinks big, and many of them do, I mean, you know, there's some pretty big possibilities in the world at the moment. So if you aim to be a global player, start thinking about privacy from the very beginning and build it into your policies and practices. There's lots of free information available online to help you do this. Or as I said, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner website. The reason that this is particularly important for people in that situation is that it's not just about compliance with the law or doing the right thing by individuals, although obviously I think those things are very important, it's also because investors and potential like larger companies who may want to buy your company are now looking at doing due diligence around privacy. They want to know if the personal information that's a valuable asset of your company is actually clean data that can be used so, I can't emphasise enough that if you are in a startup phase and you have hopes of becoming big, and a significant proportion of your business model involves personal information, get it right from the beginning. And if someone comes along offering you $3 billion, you'll get it.
0: Bridget, what fines have been issued under the European Union's general data protection regulations?
1: The most noteworthy in terms of size, and I think also its significance in terms of who it is, the French regulator imposing a 50 million euro fine on Google. Now I think for a lot of us, we believe that the online the social media platforms like Facebook or effectively a monopoly like a, a Google in terms of all of the technology and platforms that it provides aren't subject to the same rules as everyone else and I think what the French find shows is that even a Google can't escape anymore. the regulators around the world are flexing their muscles. And they're actually saying, hey, you're not doing things in a way that's transparent. Now, what Google got into trouble over is the fact that they were collecting a lot of information, personal information through Google Analytics, which is a tool that offer companies for free to help them understand how their website traffic comes through and you know other insights related to that. So, it wasn't so much that Google did this. It was that they did it in a way that the individuals didn't realize was happening. So, the personal information was effectively harvested from the individual used for targeted or individualized advertising and that doesn't actually fit with the idea of you tell people up front when you're collecting personal information about them. The other one I'd probably add here, it's not actually the the European Union General Data Protection Regulation. It's something that happened at the same time. So we're talking about 2019, and it was in the US. And I think people will probably remember this one. It was when the Federal Trade Commission fined Facebook the whopping $5 billion for mishandling its users' information. And a lot of that was about not actually being transparent about their collection and handling processes. So you can see they're two of the biggest players in the world, have both been served significant fines.
0: There's so much material out there for businesses to learn about privacy, but what resources do you recommend, Bridget?
1: This one's really hard because, as someone who runs a small business myself, I know we don't have a lot of time to be going and reading things willy nilly. That's why I tend to say go to the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner as your first. Port of call because the information is fairly well organized. It's probably not enough information for the long term, but it's a really good starting point. We'll give you high level advice about what the key issues are that you should think about. And then following on from that, I'm actually a big fan of people following their noses And, uh, you know, like, do you like a particular company or have you received good service? Go and look at what those companies have done. Look at their privacy policies and say, okay, you know, that will actually don't copy them 100 percent. Like, You should do stuff that's actually bespoke, that fits what you do exactly. But I think going and looking at a real privacy policy or looking at real practices is very valuable if you're just starting out.
0: Bridget, you've given us so much of your experience and provided a wealth of knowledge for people listening. Do you have any final comments to businesses, small, medium, large, who might want to investigate further around privacy?
1: I do. I've always got more things to say about privacy. The standard one, I guess, is privacy is important to all businesses and to government agencies what might look like a catchphrase, getting privacy right will increase consumer confidence and trust has been shown to be the case. So, it is important. We are in a really complex environment at the moment. So, it would be wrong for me to say that privacy is easy. I do think that basic privacy practice is straightforward and anyone can do it. But The fact is that the technology, the way in which things like artificial intelligence, advanced data analytics, beginning to not beginning, they are being used now and they will continue to be used, you know, and they can do profiling and all sorts of things that don't necessarily sit well with our democratic processes or how we would like people to be treated, particularly vulnerable groups or children. It is possible to opt in to the Privacy Act as a small business. I did this right at the beginning 10 years ago to demonstrate my privacy credentials. Now, as I don't really collect any personal information, this has minimal compliance cost for me, but it is something that you can think about doing if you would like to look and to be someone who is an organization bound by the Privacy Act, you can opt in. We've talked a lot today about businesses and what businesses should do and the risks that they face. But as individuals, we all have a direct interest in the collection and handling of our personal information. So I would say to businesses, always remember that personal data is not some abstract zero and one in your computer. It's about a real human being, a real human being who can be harmed as a result of a privacy breach. And that. If anything, I would say always take these real people into account when you make business decisions involving personal information.
0: Bridget, it's been so informative to speak to you today. Thank you for your time and we look forward to hearing more about privacy in the future. Thank you, Christy. Thanks for listening to The Grow Podcast. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Census, Australia's number one supporter of small and medium sized businesses.